you shall live also. Amen. Good to see everybody tonight that made it out. I don't know where the rest of the bunch is, but the Lord does pray for people. People sick, people got issues, people need the Lord. Amen. Amen. We all need Jesus to move in our heart and in our life. And I I hope that people will begin to once again come back and realize how important it is to come to church. Because, you know, we, uh, we're not careful. We let things get in the way. And we start tending to everything else. And then before you know it, we're, we're slacking, we're missing. And, you know, and I'm, I don't try not to fuss at people about not being at church. But, you know, one of the things about not coming to church is this. When people start having problems, and they are, if, the more you miss church, the more you're not hearing the word, and the more problems you have and you don't know answers, that's where it hurts you. Hearing the word, you know, church is still important. Amen. Coming to church is still important. Satan wants to make people think, well, you go one time a week, everything's okay. And that's just, you know, that's his ploy. You know, you don't need all that that much and da, da, da. Let me tell you, we need it. I need it. You need it. We need to come together. We don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves. That's the manner of some is, the Bible says, as we see the days approaching, what? Evil. More and more evil. It's getting worse and worse, and that's all the more reason we need to come together. Amen. Those of you that are not here that can be here, you need to think about that. I know, well, you don't know what I have to deal with. Well, we all have to make a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Living for the Lord is a sacrifice, too, doing the things he's told us to do. It's a sacrifice. You know, it's a matter of priority, really. They were talking about that on the radio a while back. I think it's a priority. What comes first in life? If you ever let the things of God fall to the backside, you'll just start drifting and drifting and drifting and drifting. You don't want to do that. Keep everything in its right order, amen. And I know we got people that are sick. We need to pray for them, that the Lord will touch them that can't be here and uh, so we're going to take up the offering tonight. If you have something to give, we want you to come and give. There's not going to be any more singing tonight, praise and worship. I'm not singing unless Karen wants to, but I don't think she wants to right now. But anyways, the Lord is here, and that's all that matters. We're glad that y'all came tonight. And um, let's ask the Lord to bless the offering, and then we'll get into the Word. Lord, we ask you to move tonight. We ask you to bless the givers tonight, those that may be watching online. Lord, we pray that you would touch people, Lord, that you would move upon them, God, that you would help them to understand your word, that you would grow us, that you would mature us, Lord, that you would do what only you can do in our heart and in our life. We ask that you bless the people tonight, those that are sick, Lord, we ask you to touch them, to heal them, Lord, those that are not where they need to be, God, I pray you deal with them, that you convict them, Lord, if we're letting things slide, Lord, that we need to take care of, help us, correct us, and show us, Lord, to keep everything in its proper order in this walk with you, we ask you to have your way tonight again. Bless the offering in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have something to give, you can come and put it in. You can be seated, and we'll get ready to get into the Word. It's quiet in here, and I kind of like it quiet. I just don't like it real quiet. 
they were talking on the radio this morning. Brother Jimmy said, I am Pentecostal. And Lauren said, I am too. And said, I believe in the Pentecostal way. And I, I want to say we are too. We're not, we're not dead. We're a spirit-filled church. We believe in the power of God. Amen. Whether it's two or three of us or 20 or 30 or 50, the power is still the same. Amen. We're going back to the book of Colossians tonight. Chapter 2. We're getting just about to the end of chapter 2, almost. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20, says this, Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which are which all are to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship, and humility and neglecting of the body, not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. Lord, we ask you to bless this word tonight. We ask you to touch us all that are here. Anoint me to open your word. Anoint the people to hear, to understand people through the camera, Lord. Help them, Lord. If there's new people watching tonight, open their eyes, open their understanding, and give them the understanding of your word, Lord. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Again, Paul uh, is dealing with the issue of some false doctrine in the uh, in this teaching that he's given correction, you might say. Many of his epistles they are written in the form of correction, and today it's kind of hard to get people to take correction. <laughs> it's kind of hard to get people to admit that they're wrong about things. Uh, we live in a society where everybody just thinks they're right. And people don't like to admit that they've been wrong about something. But, you know, the Lord has a way of getting you to the place to where he can show you if you've been wrong about some things. I know he did in my life, and he has, you know, at times even since down through the years. But especially in the early years of, you know, listening to things that I shouldn't have been listening to, but I didn't, I didn't know any better. And I believe that's where a lot of people are even today. There's people that are... Saved, they love the Lord, but they're listening to, they're watching things that they shouldn't be listening to. And the Lord's patient, God is merciful. But if that person really wants to know the truth, really wants to know the truth of the Bible, wants to know the truth of what, if what they're listening to is right or wrong, and they have an open, sincere heart, I guarantee you, God will show you if you're right or wrong. But you've got to be willing that if you're wrong, to take the correction. you got to be willing to say, you know what, I listened to some stuff I shouldn't have been listening to, and Lord, I'm sorry, I repent of it, I'm, I'm putting that away from me, I'm getting rid of those books, I'm getting rid of those tapes, I'm, I'm, turning, that, I'm turning that person off of the Internet from now on, I'm not listening to that, because it's, it's, it's what we listen to, what we hear, is will affect how we live for the Lord. Not what we do, what we listen to, what we believe. And I know that caused 
us in a lot of trouble in the early years, especially me, believing the wrong thing, and it could have caused some more serious problems, much worse than what it was, but thank God, because at least we had a heart enough to open up and say, Lord, teach us the right way. We don't want to be led astray. We don't want to listen to stuff that's not right. And when he started showing me that the things that I had been listening to were wrong, then what I had to do is I had to repent. And I had to put that stuff away from me and start listening to the truth. That's why Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life, but only few Go in through that gate, but wide is the gate, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many go are going down that path. And if you're going to be a person who wants the truth, then you could probably expect a little bit of opposition. You expect a little bit of you know mockery or people laughing at you, or because you come to this little church or whatever, and and you know whatever, but. The truth is, in the end, or let's just say this right now, if you follow the truth, you're going to have something they don't have. You stay on the straight and narrow, you're going to have something that the mockers don't have, that the people who laugh at you because you go to a cross-preaching church. You got something they don't have, and in the end, you'll have something they may miss, and that's eternal life. Because if you stray from the truth, if you leave, the cross, if you leave the gospel, the only place you can go is back, backwards. And so that's why it is important that we in this church on Sunday, I tried my best to preach it as best as I could Sunday morning to stress the importance of the message of the cross and making sure that we all understand it. I can't, and I didn't preach it because of that. I preached it because the Lord put it on my heart, but I can't take for granted just think that, that because everybody in Family Worship Center comes to this church and, you know, we're affiliated with Brother Swaggart or whatever and we preach the same message, I can't take for granted that everybody here just knows that because they come to church. They don't. I know they don't. Some do, some don't. So people got to hear this over and over. You got to hear it so that you can recognize what's right and realize what's wrong and then ask God to help you to lose what's wrong. Jesus Jesus said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. That means if you mix a little leaven with truth, your belief system is going to be corrupted. And God 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 ain't saying God won't do anything for you. He he'll still do some things, but God does he's going to be limited in what he can do if your faith is divided. Your faith can't be divided. You can't be wishy-washy. You can't be unstable. Well, I'm on cloud nine on Sunday, but on Monday or Tuesday, you know, I'm, I'm just believing off-the-wall stuff. You, you can't do that. Your, your belief system's got to be pure all the time. It can't be tainted. And that's why you've got to read this, ask God to help you to understand it, to make it your lifestyle. To, to make it a point that to ask the Lord to help you to understand this. And for most of you here, you have an expositor study Bible, so let me ask you, do you read it? Do you read it? That's what it's for, to help you. I preach out of one all the time. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't care what people say about me for having one of those Bibles. 
I've had one for ever since they came out, 2005 or whatever. We've had them ever since. And it's been, it's been a help. It's a blessing because there's things you can learn. Now, if you're one of those people who says, well, I don't need to learn nothing, that's what's wrong with you. I don't need no man to teach me anything. That's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with too many Christians. And God gave us helps. He gave us study tools. He gave us, I believe 100%, God gave Brother Swagger the knowledge, the ability to make this Bible, to give it, put it into the hands of people all over the world because it's got so much information in it. It's not like most of your other Bibles. There are some few other little good study Bibles and whatnot, but this is, this is totally different than any other Bible I've ever seen. But it's a doctrinal Bible. It teaches us doctrine. And it points us to the cross of Jesus Christ through every bit of it. And that's what we have to have. That's what I had to learn, what we had to learn in the early days that I told you Sunday we didn't know when we got saved. But at some point, you have to learn this. You're not going to get through on ignorance. Well, I didn't know. It's not going to work. And that, you know what? This is not hard to understand. What we're trying to preach really is not hard to understand. It's difficult for man to let go of his flesh, to let go of his own efforts, to let go of his false teaching, to let go of the things that are wrong. It's difficult for him to let go of it when he's been exposed, when he's been told, when he's been corrected. And, you know, pride is one of the greatest sins, I believe, in the heart of a Christian, pride. Me. I'm right. I'm not wrong. I know. I know what I'm doing. Well, what does your life say? So when Paul wrote this, he wrote it in the form of correction because there was a particular false teaching that had come through the church. It was called Gnosticism. And it, I think it, it varied in different areas, but for the most part, it, it was, you know, through men who claimed that they had this, they had this, they had a revelation of, of the Lord or a revelation of the word, you might say, of their day and time that they would claim that others could not have and that their revelation was special because they claimed to go through other, you know, other intermediate beings to get to God. They wouldn't come out and just say that, but they did. They worship. We know that the Bible says, Paul said that, that, that you don't worship angels. So they were dependent, they were also dependent on angel, angelic beings in some cases to be a go-between, like an intermediate being to bridge the gap between us and God because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ Really, they didn't believe that Jesus could be fully God and fully man and come and live on this earth and be in contact with sinful human beings. And so they started infiltrating the church and spreading this stuff. And then it didn't stop there. It went, it went on to new moon, keeping feast days, fast days, don't eat pork. Don't eat this food. Don't, you can't do this and, and you can't do that. And all it did was put the people under law. So be, see, because what they were doing was when you, anytime you start putting the emphasis upon other things, you take the people away from Jesus Christ. 
Now you're saying, he's not what you need. You need this, and you need this, or you need AA. You need a rehab. You need 12-step program. You need Celebrate Recovery. And you see, all that stuff takes people away from the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. So when Paul wrote this, he wrote it to correct a lot of these things because he knew that if this church, this new founder church, I believe it may have been, if this church, if these people had started, would accept these things, then they would leave their first love then Jesus is no longer preeminent. What he did at the cross is no longer the center of everything. And the people just become wishy-washy and they believe this and this and this and this and they become unstable. So then when they do that and then sin comes in or sin arises and they do something they shouldn't be doing and and they repent or whatever, they don't quite know how to handle it because they've left the cross they're going to be defenseless to overcome it. This is the more serious matter. Paul understood that if you believe something that is wrong, if you believe anything that takes you away from the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, what will happen is you're going to become defenseless when sin comes. You're not going to be able to overcome. He knew that because he lived it. He understood it. And this is what we're trying to get Christians to understand. As I heard them on the radio this morning, Brother Swag said, we want every single Christian to live in victory. That's what we want. I don't pray for God to make you rich. If he does, praise the Lord. Don't forget to tithe. I don't pray for God to give you a big of this and all that. I pray for God to help you to make you victorious over your real enemy, your flesh. The world, the flesh, and the devil. So that you can know how to live this life out in this world every single day. And then you won't have to depend on anybody. You can depend on Jesus. The church, though, is not very healthy today. And we've got pastors who are just slaves to people. All they do is run here to this and run to that and run and do this and do this and do this instead of learning the Bible and teaching people how to walk this thing out and live in victory themselves and be a help to one another, they're slaves to the church. And that's not the way God, that's not what God intended for pastors to be. You're supposed to be mature enough that you can go and help and go and lay your hands on your sick brother in the hospital. You are. You're supposed to be mature enough that that if there's somebody in your church struggling with a bondage, they don't have to run to Thomas and Melissa every time. They can call you. They can call on you, and you can say, hey, come here, let me tell you. I know I know how to help you. I know what to tell I know what your problem is. Your problem is sin, and I know what your answer is. Your answer is the power of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Your answer is in the cross. And show them the Scriptures. Show them, teach them, help them. We're all supposed to be doing this. And this is, I think, a healthy, that's what a healthy church should look like. The pastor shouldn't be a slave to everybody. Everybody in the church, all the members should be able to help one another, spiritually speaking. Maybe financially, I don't know. If God lays it on your heart to help somebody in the church that's struggling, then do it. If he lays it on our heart of somebody in our church that's struggling 
financially really bad and, and don't have the means to get by and need some temporary relief, if they come to us and ask us for help and we got it, we'll help them. But but let me say, and then the church is not supposed to be a welfare program either just to keep everybody up. I was reading it the other day, first or second Timothy, about what Paul told Timothy about relieving the widows. And there were qualifications in their days for helping some of those widowed women. He said, first, they need to be at least 60 years old. The wife of a husband that's passed on. And then you need to make sure that you distribute it right, that you need to choose out people who know how to handle this business. You see, there's a way that things operate because you don't just give everybody everything. And if we're to help anybody, we're to help our own. We're Not the world, we're to help our own. And, of course, people in the world, if the Lord lays it on your heart, homeless person, somebody out on the streets, messed up, God puts it on your heart to give them something, witness to them. You do that too. But the first priority is to the church, to those suffering Christians, those that are hurting, those who, who are, listen, those who are trying, making effort, those who try to work, not those who lay around and do nothing. Those who want to make a living for their family, not the ones that want to live off everybody else. The Bible covers this stuff. And the church has got it backwards today. And and they think that they're earning some great reward because they're doing all these things. They're going to be very disappointed when they stand before the Lord and realize that some of the things they did never earned them anything because it wasn't done with the right motive and it wasn't done by the leading of the Spirit. It was all in the flesh because a preacher said you need to do it. You need to do it because the Holy Spirit leads you to do it, because the Bible says to do it. So when Paul wrote these things, again, he wrote it to correct these things. And down towards the end of chapter 2, again, I'm going to get back into it. He said, "If you, wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Okay, backing up to what he's already laid out concerning the feast days, the fast days, the worshiping of angels and all the things that he just identified that you do not put your faith in because all that does is takes away from the reality of who Jesus is and what he did because Jesus is the fulfillment of all these other things. He's the fulfillment of the law. The, the new moons, the feast days, the fast days, the, the holy days, the Sabbath day, which was a day of rest, Jesus Christ fulfilled all that. He, he was the uh, reality that those things were a shadow, the Bible says, but he was the substance of all of it, and he fulfilled all that. So we don't live under law. We don't live by what day we go to church on. We don't put our faith in these things. We don't worship angels. We don't put our faith in the fact that we don't eat pork. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, in Him alone, and what He did at the cross. And as we do, the Spirit of God goes to work in us, and He changes us. Then if we're doing other things that are not pleasing to God, the Spirit of God will convict us, He'll show us, and He'll help us to let it go. And that's a part of being sensitive to the Spirit. 
You need to be so sensitive to the Spirit that if you're out by yourself and you say one thing wrong, you do one thing wrong, you look the wrong way, you feel it inside and nobody's around. And you know it's the Lord and you say, Lord, I'm sorry. Didn't have to have the pastor to chase you down, follow you down, deacons or <laughs> church elders, accountability partners. But you should be close enough to God that if you you get off track, he corrects you. And, you know, sometimes it takes a little time with some, some of us because we're stubborn, we're hard-headed. But conviction, the conviction is there to show us our wrong at times. And trust me, the Holy Spirit's good at convicting you. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? He is. So he said, again in uh, verse 20, if you be dead with Christ, and okay, dead with Christ, there's that term again. We talked about it Sunday. What does that mean? That means that if we understand that Jesus' death on the cross is our death too. He was crucified for us. He was buried. They put him in a tomb. And all of our sins were placed in a tomb with him, spiritually speaking. And on the third day, he was what raised up from the dead by the power of God so that we can walk in newness of life. So if we be dead with him... If we understand that everything we need is through what he did, then why are we boasting about not eating pork? Why are we boasting about, I don't watch TV, I don't do this, and and I don't do that? And it's okay if that's a personal conviction, but when you make that a law for everybody else, hear me? When you make it a law for everybody else, if the Lord... Put something on your heart that tells you don't, don't do something. Keep it to yourself. Because there's some things God might not be, what he requires of you, he may not require of another person. That's where we're, we're all individual. We're, we're unique. We're different. But, but no, no misunderstanding. Sin is sin. And if you, get, if you participate in anything that is sinful, don't matter what it is, he'll convict you. He will show you. If there's something he don't want you practicing, he will show you. And, then, and it may be wrong for you, and there may be nothing wrong with the very thing he don't want you participating in. And another person may be very welcome to do it. And there's nothing wrong with it in itself. So you can't take what the Lord convicts you of and go around the church and say, yeah, and because I don't do this, you don't need to do this. Now, again, plainly, there's some things we know we don't do. We don't drink. Everybody don't drink. All Christians don't drink. We stop cussing. All Christians need to stop with a filthy mouth. Come on. There's Christians don't lie. All Christians need to learn to stop lying. Christians, stop stealing. Christians, stop coveting your neighbor's stuff. There's things that are made plain that we don't do. But there's other things that you may not see written in the Bible that you may practice here in this earth that may be very well fine, but then again, the Holy Spirit may say no. Okay for you, maybe not for you. I give you one of my convictions I've had it for 24 years. 
I don't wear shorts out in public. And I sure ain't wearing them in church. <laughs> you don't want to see my skinny white legs anyway. I don't wear shorts. I don't wear cut-off shirts no more, no tank tops out in public. Before I got saved, <laughs> Lucas said about 10, 15 years ago, I'd have, that guy that cussed me out, I jerked him out. I said, I'd been there. I'd probably been there helping you. But 25, you know, before I got saved, that was my lifestyle, running around with no shirt or half shirt or tank tops, you know, little muscles showing tattoos and, you know, your shorts, that's just the way you live. I was the only redneck fool that ran around the racetrack helping my brother with no shirt on and didn't care what anybody thought. I was just a redneck. And when we got saved... I don't, I ain't gonna say the very day, but it didn't take long. <laughs> Things started changing. And, and then, and I found that, you know, some of the things I used to wear, I don't want to wear this anymore. Because why? It's not me anymore. It's not me. Now, Conviction for me may be very fine for you. That's between you and the Lord. So I can't tell you, don't wear shorts at all. Don't you wear shorts anywhere. That's between you and the Lord. But I can't do it. It's my conviction. I wear them around the house. Michaela's seen my little skinny legs all her life. Might wear some if I cut the grass. Maybe. I don't very seldom ever even do that. Always got pants on in the middle of the summertime, short sleeve shirt, sweating like crazy. It's not, I'm not saying it's a sin to do, to wear that, but the Lord started convicting me. And I told this before, I'll tell it again. It, this would have been about a year, year and a half after we got saved when we were living here out in Loudoun County. And she was working at a little restaurant called Tea. She was a waitress. I was doing AC work back then. And I remember I went to the restaurant one day. I'd, got, I'd gotten off of work, I think, and I decided I was going to go where she, to her work, go get something to eat. And I don't, even know, I don't even know where it come from. I don't even remember how it happened. I still had a couple of little white tank top shirts from before I got saved that, you know, we brought all of our clothes with us. And I still had some in a dresser drawer. I had at least one. And I don't even know what, it, what even caused it to happen that day. I hadn't even been wearing one. And I remember <clears throat> it was hot outside. It was summertime. That's what it was. I remember it was hot, hot. And I thought, I'm going to go to, I'm going up there to eat. And I don't know what it was. I remember looking in the drawer, I guess, and I saw the shirt. And I thought, I'm all, you know, it's really hot outside. And I think I'm just going to put this little old tank top on and wear this today. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty positive that this is right. I hadn't worn it up to that time. Probably it may be at home or something. I don't remember wearing it at all hardly. Maybe in public at all, but and I might have, but I remember I went to her work and I had that shirt on. I'm having my pants on, I'm sitting there and I'm eating, and all of the sudden, out of nowhere, Karen, I'm telling you, I just felt this feeling of nakedness come over me. And I looked down and I looked at my arms for a minute and I said, Oh Lord. I mean, well, I tell you, I feel the Spirit of God right now. I felt, I felt that. And it was like the Lord says, 
This ain't you anymore. I finished eating. I got finished eating. God's my witness. I got up out of there. I went home. I got that shirt off. I got rid of that shirt. I got rid of it. I threw it away. I'm pretty positive I did. And I put on, you know, my little short sleeve shirt that covers my arm, covers my tattoos and stuff. But that's what I, that was my conviction. And I know it was the Lord. You can't convince me. I know it was the Lord. And I've never worn one since out in public. I'm not going to. I don't have no, I don't have no desire because that is my former lifestyle. I remember I had a pair of cowboy boots. I had when we got saved. And I don't remember how long it was. It was out there in Loudoun County. All of some of this stuff must have been happening around the same time. And one day, I went to put those boots on. And something come over me, and I got to thinking about some of the things that I'd done with those boots on. And I got to thinking about a boy that I got into a fight with in my mother's driveway when I was about 20 years old, and I kicked his teeth out with those boots. And something just hit me. Well, I don't know if I kicked his teeth out. I hit him with a couple punches before that, but I kicked him with the boots a couple times really hard in the head till my brother dove on me to try to stop me. And now all that stuff hit me. Now, I think I told my wife, I said, I'm getting, I'm getting rid of these boots. I don't want them anymore. Because I don't, I don't want to look at that and have the mem. I don't want the memories no more. And I thought, I just got rid of them. I'm going to tell you something. Well, you're a crazy climber. No, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That don't mean you got to throw yours out. That don't mean you go home and throw everything out. I'm telling you, it's called conviction. It's a changed life. So you, you, and listen, if the Lord convicts you of something, listen to this, and you push it off, just throw it off, throw it off, Throw it off, throw it off. You'll get to the place where you don't even listen to the Lord. So when Paul said, and I'm not making that a law for everybody, again, you got to be sensitive to the Spirit. But So there's some things that's not written out in the Bible that, that says you don't, you can't go to a secular event. You can't go to a football game. You, you, you're not going to see that stuff in the Bible. That's where personal conviction comes in. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things of the world. But, you know, we got to be careful with that because watching a football game don't mean you're in love with the world. Going to a sporting event don't mean somebody's more in love with a sporting event than they are with Jesus. That's just entertainment. And entertainment can be okay as long as it's clean and it doesn't get in between you and your relationship with God. So we can't. We can't label every single thing in the world as sinful and wrong. We can't make everything a sin. Taking your kids to something. Take, you want to take your kids to a circus, a carnival, something. Nothing wrong with it. Providing it's innocent, it's decent entertainment. There's nothing vulgar. There's no obscenity. There's, you know, there's nothing... That you know, there's things that if there's things your children don't need to be around there, you may have to evade a part of it. We can't. I heard somebody say that one time. We can't make everything a sin because then we become legalistic. 
And it, it should, we, it shouldn't, we shouldn't live like, well, I can't do anything. You're free to do some things. It's got to be between you and the Lord. But what Paul was talking about here is that if we are dead with Christ, he said, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, that's the principles of the world or the ways of the world, man-devised ways, which were also brought into the church through religious people. He said, then why as though living in the world are you subjecting yourself to ordinances? Why are, if you're dead with Christ and you understand that your salvation, your freedom from sin comes through him, then why are you subjecting yourself to these ordinances? What could we uh, use as ordinances today? We could use the Lord's Supper. We could use water baptism. People use that the wrong way. People may try to make salvation out of water baptism. It's not. The Lord's Supper, taking communion, that's biblical. It's right, but you got to be careful how you use it. You, you can make it a law. You can, you can turn it into a ritual. As I, you know, as some preachers did some years back, eight or ten years ago, I think it was Perry Stone. I don't know if he still does it now. He created a communion set and they were selling them on television. It was called The Meal That Heals. It's wrong. Because communion don't bring healing. Communion doesn't bring victory over sin. The blood of Jesus does. Now, it can be a reminder of what Jesus has done. See, you can misrepresent things, misuse things. So, if, if, you're, dead, uh, if you're dead with Christ, why are you subjecting yourself now to ordinances? Why are you giving or putting the emphasis upon what you do, what you don't do? what church you go to, what denomination you belong to. Why? He said, touch not, taste not, handle not, because here's the thing, Brother Swagger said, that there is no salvation or victory in rules and regulations. So whatever type of drink you like, providing it's good, and we're not talking about alcohol, we're just talking about drink, iced tea, Coke, Pepsi, 7-Up, coffee, carbonated drinks, caffeinated drinks. There is nothing wrong with you having one of those drinks. I have coffee every day. I like it. And I, uh, listen, for those that are watching, it has caffeine in it. I drink the caffeinated kind. Big deal. It has nothing. Now, too much caffeine we know can be bad for you. Too much of some of the things, you know, the th- foods and stuff we day, we know it can be bad for you. But there's no spirituality to those things. You can't, you can't judge a man's spiritual side by the food he ate, eats or the drinks he drinks out the door. I mean, this stuff was going on then, and it happens now just in different ways. Jewish legalism, I mean, Jewish legalism is alive and well in 2024. 
There are people who they live by these strict rules and regulations. Like the man I told you I had to run in with a few weeks back, I don't eat pork and looked at me like I was some unclean idiot because I did. And see, they, they feel like they're really important because they don't do these things. They're really just self-righteous is what they are. And they want to ridicule you. This is the attitude that these, some of these Jews had. He said, touch not, taste not, handle not, verse 22. He said, which all are to perish with the using. All these things are going to perish with the using of them. But your soul and your spirit ain't going to perish your soul and your spirit ain't affected by the food you eat. Come on, somebody. It ain't affected by whether or not you, you, you go somewhere to a secular event, to, again, to the football game, to the basketball game, whatever. You got a television. It don't affect your spiritual man unless there's some, some aspect of it that you don't need to participate in, then it can. Having a TV alone ain't a sin. It's what's on it that you got to be careful of. And I know I got on the television thing when I got saved too. That was another one because we got rid of our television nearly a whole year and I thought I was a really holy man. And I made sure everybody knew I didn't have a TV in my house now. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to have, you can go without a TV, you can go without a phone, you can go without the internet and you can still have some sin. Down in here. You can still have some anger. You can have some jealousy. You can have some envy. You can tell a lie. You don't have to watch TV to learn it. You're born with it. <laughs> and again, TV, if you don't want television, you'd probably be a whole lot much better off without one. That's your conviction. No computer, no phone. Be better off without it. In a lot of cases. But all these things, he said, are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. He says, this stuff is made up. He says, what you all are dealing with, Church of Colossae, this stuff is doctrines and commandments of religious men. This ain't the word of God. Because the Word of God teaches us that the emphasis is to be upon Jesus Christ alone because He is preeminent. He's the head of the church. He's the one that has forgiven you of all of your sins. He's the one that broke the power of the devil. So you need to make sure that He's preeminent. Keep your faith in Him. Don't get hung up on this other stuff. Don't get into arguments with people over religious doo-doo. It's about what it is. Religious dung. Paul told Timothy not to get caught up with people with vain janglings and endless genealogies and, and debates and strifes about stuff that don't matter. The devil will try to lure you out and get you to wrangle with people over stuff that don't it doesn't amount to anything. It has nothing to do with your spiritual side. 
he said these things in verse 23, which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship. Some of these people that promote this stuff can come across as though they really have a lot of godly wisdom. She said she was watching him on television the other night, Mike Murdoch. If anybody knows who he is or you're watching, you don't need to know. Because his message, anytime he's on television, it's always about money. My wife said he, he said something along the lines, I can show you in the Bible, it's all about money. It's all about prosperity. And that he believes that because that's all he teaches. And he claims to be a teacher of wisdom. He says he has, he has keys of wisdom to unlock your financial future. Get your house paid off. To get everybody out of debt. And my wife made a good point. She said this tonight. She said, now imagine this. Imagine if every single person was out of debt and nobody had any bills to pay. Nobody would work. There'd be no reason to have discipline, no reason to do anything. I thought, that, you know, that's, that's pretty good. The whole world can't be rich. Every Christian ain't going to be rich. The love of money is the root of evil. That's what's wrong with that preacher. Which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the faith. And yeah, he's got a lot of money because he's lying to people. He said, sow your seed, sow your seed, sow your seed, and your house will get paid off. I'm going to pray a special blessing. We've been, we've been exposed to this for years. We've seen this. We've been in churches where they were promoting this stuff. It don't work, church. It's a lie. And Christians bite on it because that's what they really want. Then you're not seeking after having victory over the powers of darkness. You just want a bigger house. You want to be rich. You want everything paid off so you don't have to do anything. And that would be nice. But you can't seek after that stuff. You can't make that your message. You can't make that your focus. Because the Bible condemns that. The love of money, I mean, you can read through the Bible. Read the Proverbs. The love of the things of the world that can destroy you. He said that they indeed show. You all right back there, Braxton? Are you sitting? Are you knocked out on the floor? Or are you sitting down? Okay, I didn't know if you were laying on the floor. Or what I could barely see the top of his head. You still with me? Okay, I'm just checking on you. <laughs> I had to think for a minute. Who is that sitting back there? That little black hair sticking up. Which things indeed have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship. They they look holy. They sound holy. But the truth is they're not. You got to be careful with the outward observances. You can't be mesmerized by the appearance of someone who seems to really just say it exactly the way it needs to be said. says, humility, they seem to be humble. But as I said last week, it's a false humility. Behind closed doors, 
There's no humility. It's just pride and ego because it's all about self. But in front of people and, and, you know, outward appearances, ain't they, they're so humble. They're so sweet. They're such a, he's just got the prettiest smile. That's not how you judge people. You judge them by what they preach and teach. If it's wrong, I don't care how much they smile, they're wrong. I don't care how humble they sound, they're wrong. And he said in neglecting of the body, that's neglecting of the body. Here we go. We don't do certain things. Asceticism, that's self-denial. It's a, it's a denying oneself of worldly pleasures is what it is. Asceticism. I don't do certain things. I don't go here and I don't, and I'm denying myself. I don't put sugar in my drinks. I don't eat sweets. Well, I do. <laughs> my wife does. Y'all do. <laughs> I bought a little pack of them little Debbie chocolate donuts yesterday. I went to the store to get some stuff for down there at my place to have for lunch. I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up. I was walking by that end chef, and I saw them little pack of chocolate donuts. And I looked at them for a second. I said, oh, I don't know. I was looking at them, and I looked at something else. I said, I ate about seven or eight of them yesterday. <laughs> don't need to, I'm sure I don't need to eat, eat them like that all the time, but nothing wrong with having some sweets from time to time. You're just not good for you all the time. <laughs> Once in a while, I tell my wife, get that stuff out of the house. Quit bringing it home. Stop making it. Quit. <laughs> then her mama sends stuff. Her mama sends stuff one time. I said, you got to quit. Don't be sending no much. Well, if I'm going to be fat, everybody's going to be fat. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's the way it is. If you're watching, Linda, got you. She said, I figure if I'm going to be fat, everybody's going to be fat. I, thought, oh, I ain't going to be I don't want to be, Lord, help me. <laughs> the Bible says the fat is the Lord's. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Not in the neglecting of the body. And uh, it says not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. All these things, even though it may look good, it may sound good. Look, it's not going to do anything for your flesh. It's not going to do anything for your spirit. It's not going to change you. Only your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did at the cross on a daily basis will bring to you the power of God to bring the changes that God wants to make in your life. So you keep your focus on him. You keep your faith in him. Don't be drawn aside with foolishness. Don't listen to stuff. You've heard me preach it tonight. So if you get tested and you're tempted to listen to something that ain't right, then you're going to have to check yourself and say, now, hold on a minute. Is this right or wrong? Now, Lord, help me. If it's not right, then I don't need to listen to it. I don't want to listen to it. If it is right, have at it. If somebody's preaching something that's right, it's biblical, you know without a doubt it's 100% it's right, Bible, Jesus told his disciples that concerning even the Pharisees, he said, whatsoever they bid you to do, that you do, observe it and do it. That means if it's right, if it's biblical, observe it and you do it. But if it ain't, you don't. 
So, but you, you, the Christian, have got to know the difference between what's right and what's wrong biblically. You got to know it, and you can know it if you make the cross of Jesus Christ the object of your faith. The Holy Spirit turns your lights on. He starts showing you things. He starts teaching you things. Then if you start getting off track or listening to something that ain't quite right, and you say, Lord, help me and keep me in check, keep me in on uh, point here. If there's something that's not right, he'll show you, he'll get the truth to you, and he'll make it plain to you. So you got to understand outward observances can't change your flesh. Rules and regulations can't change you. The power of the blood can. Amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to close tonight in prayer. I hope you've been blessed. Those of you watching, hope you're either, I hope you're glad. You might be mad, but I hope you're glad. Because if you listen to the truth, it'll change your heart and change your life. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have opened it to us. You're revealing it to us, Lord, and that you're going to establish us. You're going to keep us. You're going to prosper us, and you're going to bless us. Lord, I pray tonight that you touch everybody here that came tonight, that you go with us, that you protect us that you keep us. And those watching tonight, I pray blessings upon them. Those that are sick, we pray that you heal them. Those, Lord, that are learning the truth, that they would continue to watch and continue to listen and that their understanding would be opened up and you would reveal to them the things that they need to know according to your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. Sunday morning, we'll see you. 10.30, invite somebody to come to church with you if you get the opportunity to witness to somebody and bring them with you.